Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. This on? Hello? Hello? We're all science people. Science! Exactly. We know it's a good idea because it's lasted. We can teach kids and they get it. There's chemistry in here. There's biology in here. It's in whiskey. It's in ice cream. It's in who you fall in love with. That's the recipe for success. We can make the world better for everybody. Starting now. Welcome to Science Rules. I'm your host, Bill Nye. This is the show where science rules. It's a call-in show. If you want to be on the show, and I hope you do, the number to dial is 470-ASK-BILL. That's 470-275-2455. Keep up with me on the electric internet to find out when to call. And as always, you can also send us your questions and comments to askbillnye.com. And once again, today, I am joined, of course, by science writer, editor, dear friend... Uh Corey S. Powell. Hello, Corey. Hello, Bill. Uh, it's great to be here. Now, Bill, we've heard a lot from our listeners. They have questions about energy. So basic, so universal. I think today maybe we should deliver some uh, some answers about energy. How do you feel about that? I, I'm feeling very strongly. I'm feeling, what am I feeling? Energized. Oh, you look energized. You're positively crackling. So in the simplest form, Corey, what everybody, I think, I feel the world should know and embrace and grasp and agree upon. Energy makes things go, run, or happen. Go, run, or happen. So I always say when something happens, what does that mean? It means something has changed. Something was one way and now that thing is another way. And so that's only a result of energy. Let's talk about energy in your life. Let's do a a bill energy audit. Why don't you walk me through a day of some of the things the ways that you use energy and sort of the things that you do to be a a good, smart, conservation-minded person? Well, our day begins, Corey, under the covers. Uh, I I live in the developed world, and I have blankets and quilts or whatever the technology would be called that keep me warm at night because I am burning chemical energy, uh, uh, taking oxygen from the air, combining it with chemicals in my food, that lead to chemical reactions that allow my muscles to contract, pump my heart, and have my lungs go in and out, up and down, breathing. Fabulous. So I peel those covers off. When the sun beams through the windows, wow, I say to myself, and under certain conditions, Corey, I set an alarm. I set an alarm on my phone. My phone's electric. It's electronic. 
And so then I, I sprung from bed uh, away from the covers, and now I'm radiating my heat energy into the room. All right, so we've got some chemical energy in your body. We've got some electrical energy coursing through your phone. There's sound waves bouncing around, oh, and now goodness. what's happening? Now, I commonly will turn on the coffee maker. I turn on the coffee maker. My coffee maker works so fast that by the time I do my initial ablutions there in mm. the washroom yeah. and get back, the coffee's ready to go. And the coffee maker runs on electricity. Electricity, if I understand correctly, is a bunch of electrons moving around. But where? how does that electricity get into your socket? Again, I think people know abstractly, oh, they're power plants. But what's actually... What's moving the energy from there to here? So in general, Corey, most of our electricity is generated by burning fossil fuels, troubling as that may sound here in 2019. We burn something, it combine, the thing, coal, combines with oxygen in the air, produces heat. We use the heat to boil water, turn it to steam. The steam is expanding. You may have heard, seen it coming out of the tea kettle. And that expansion can be used as it goes from small to big to make a turbine, a fan running backward spin, which we connect to an electrical generator, which consists of some conductor of wires spinning in a magnetic field. And then we use some of the energy from the spinning wire to produce the magnetic field to produce the wire. But the energy ultimately comes from the spinning of the turbine. And so not only does it uh, boil water, but the rate at which the heat is produced uh, is controlled by an electronic circuit. It's, just, it's a really amazing. We take it for granted. It produces this coffee, which got to my apartment by means of uh, a global transportation and supply chain network. And then I enjoy my coffee uh, as it cools off and radiates its heat to the room and, bring, and its heat goes into me, into my intestines warming me up, exciting the molecules of my insides. Now, Bill, speaking about heat energy, you're sitting in a room. Where is the energy in the room? First of all, you're not freezing cold. Even if it's a cold room, you're not so cold that you can't move and your every molecule in your body has come to rest and your blood has turned to ice in general. <laughs> so that energy, the fir first energy there is heat. We are continually changing the energy in the chemicals of the food we eat into heat energy at some level. And this is what makes us go run or make things happen. Now, there's this thing that people hear, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So, they, see, they hear that for good reason, Corey. And why do they hear that, Bill? Well, think about it. Every time you do something, every time something happens, the energy that made it happen had to go somewhere. And where would that where be? Kind of the universe, the cosmos. And so uh, if you uh, exert energy, let's say you're a corn plant. You grow, you take oxygen, you take carbon dioxide out of the air, give off oxygen, take up some water, create a molecule that would be a sugar or a carbon fiber, I mean a, a plant fiber. And then a human comes along or a raccoon and takes the ear of corn, eats it, Converting that energy of sunlight into corn, then you convert it into the chemical energy that moves your muscles with a little leftover heat. That has to go somewhere. And then the heat goes back into the environment. Back into and the all, universe. It oh all loops goodness. around. 
and it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't uh, leave us. It doesn't leave us permanently. It stays in the cosmos. Wow, dude. Dude. You're, but it's you're, really a big expanding idea. expanding my mind. And it's a big idea to understand when we talk about efficiency in our society and all the energy we, we use and ultimately, no joke, climate change. Is, uh, it's the management of energy that's the key to our future. So if we're burning fossil fuels, we're burning ancient sunshine. That's if you're using exactly solar right. energy, you're using modern sunshine. Modern sunshine. Uh, if, you're, if you're using wind power, that's also sort of a form of sunshine because the sun is driving the wind. It's, it's a form of sunshine plus the spin of the earth, ah. which is ancient, 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 pri, 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 primordial, primordial, primordial energy when atoms of the uh, pre-solar system came together by their mutual gravity, and they had a little leftover, not quite the same in every directionism, and that the Earth so cool. ended so up spinning. All this energy that we're tapping into is ancient, and ancient. It's, it just keeps going around and around. around. And it never goes anywhere. We just, we just keep making use of it and having it return to the cosmos. Wait, there's one we haven't talked about, nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is big atoms of the ancient solar system smashing together and then they slowly fall apart. Big atoms, your uraniums. That's a big atom. Yeah, I it can, is. Yeah. So along this line, Corey, I believe we have callers. We do have callers. Uh, let's hear from a caller. Renee, Renee, greetings. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Kansas. Fabulous. Capital Topeka. Uh, and yep. <laughs> and uh, what are you asking about today energy-wise? Well, my husband and my kids, they have a bad habit of leaving all the lights on in the house during the day when I would prefer to just open all the curtains in the house. And I have to go right behind them and shut all the lights off constantly. And I was wondering, how much electricity does that use up with me constantly having to go behind them and shut the lights off every few minutes? Well, what I would do, first of all, intuitively, if the light's off, it's going to use less energy than when it's on. Just in, just shooting from the hip here. Am I right? That sounds correct based on my understanding of physics. Uh, yes. Well, or just something. So you could, uh, if you want to get into the weeds, show people by people, your family, the electric bill. But if you want to do something fun and exciting as an engaged mother uh, bent on having your children grow up to have their own, be, become captains of industry, uh, have their own software company and take over the world— as, as we do now, <laughs> invest in uh, a, a one or the many products where you uh, crank something, something that looks like um, a squirt gun, and that produces electricity and lights a light bulb. And by a light bulb, I mean a flashlight bulb. You're talking and, about like a little hand generator hand or something generator. like that you can get from one of the scientific supply companies or... or or if you, as a Kansan, you might have the occasional tornado with which to deal, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and so do you have emergency radios? I actually don't. Well, so invest in one, and these are common enough, that require you to crank them. So you crank the back of the, a crank on the back of the radio, it stores energy in a spring, and then when you turn the radio on, the spring runs a little generator, and runs the radio. And the kind of thing, if the power goes out and the power lines are gone, the Wichita lineman is, uh, he's, he's got too much to do, then you could realize just how much energy it takes to run a radio. 
Like you're cranking and cranking and cranking, and the radio runs for barely 20 minutes, a half hour. Or maybe more to the point, one of those hand-cranked flashlights, uh, which are great because you don't have to keep batteries, but they also really make you think about how much effort it's taking to make that one little flashlight light up. And so then, have a talk with your family. Family? You'd say? Uh, look how much energy it takes just to get this light to operate. Think how much energy the power plant is cranking out to get our whole house lit. You know, when in doubt, turn out the lights. As a, when in doubt, turn it out. That's what I was going for there. Did that answer your question, Renee, or did I just make you crazy? No, you answered my question. And actually, that's a great idea because my, my older kids, my 10-year-olds, they, they love science. So they would love to, you know, they, it's a good way to show them how much electricity is being used and how, how much it takes. That's actually a really good idea. I think I'm going to try that. So do you have boys or girls? I have a 10-year-old girl, a 10-year-old boy, and a 5-year-old boy. Yeah, see, these people love to crank cranks. <laughs> they will be yeah, thoroughly charmed by cranking. This, In fact, the sound of the, um, of the cranking and the flashlight uh, pumping with your uh, – squeezing your forefingers around your palm of your hand, the sound could become quite distinctive and might make you crazy in a different way, but it will be worth it. So I think it's a small <laughs> investment. Uh, and this also will enable your family to be ready for emergencies. A tornado in Kansas is serious business, people. And uh, this will, I believe, help people realize just how vulnerable we are when we lose our electricity. This podcast itself, Corey, Renee, counts on electricity. <laughs> You're hearing energy right now with these sound waves hitting hitting your ear. We're talking here. It's turning into electricity. It's turning into, you know, it's going through the internet. It's, it's being really reconverted. And we all take it for granted. So yeah. many of us take it for all granted. All this energy moving around and we just live it like, oh yeah, that's just how the world is. But it is. It's remarkable. It really is amazing. And so I often think about this understanding of energy. Uh, I mean, you could say people have understood energy for millennia. But our modern understanding of being able to convert heat or mechanical energy, something spinning into into electricity has changed the world. And it's barely 100 years old, 150 years old. Just think what the world will be like 100 when your 10-year-olds are, are 50-year-olds or 42-year-olds. Right. So now, Renee, amazing. this is a great opportunity also just for you to talk to your kids about what energy is and where energy is. So since we have you here and you're thinking about energy, uh, do you have a favorite form of energy? Is there a kind of energy that just makes you very excited when you think about it? Um, well, we have a lot of windmills out here in Kansas, and I, I find them pretty fascinating. I, I see the pieces go by on the trains and how big they are, and I just think it's pretty amazing how we use windmills out here. Oh, you mean uh, big wind turbines, giant blades uh, up of, in the, yeah. on big towers. Yeah. So that's yes. that is an that that in itself is amazing. That's the heating and cooling of the earth because the earth gets night and day as it spins and the spin of the earth and sunlight. It's amazing. And uh, if you there are many many science kits available where you create you build your own wind turbine and run a light a little light emitting diode and you really get a sense of how much wind it takes and the reason those things are so flipping big is another amazing thing. You know, I know we're in Kansas, but you know, you, Renee, are you familiar with a tall ship? Big mini sails on the masts? Yeah. Yeah. So the reason they built the masts so tall 
And the reason you put the wind turbines so far off the uh, farmland floor is to get away from the drag of the earth's surface. You know, the wind gets slowed down right at the surface. The higher you go, the faster the wind's blowing, I mean, for a while. And so um, you put the turbines way up high in the sky and they get more oomph. It's cool. It's amazing. Yeah. So if you want to do a science field trip with your kids, uh, you can just take them out on a little tour of the wind turbines and kind of watching how these things go and they sort of look like they're turning in a really lazy way from a distance. And then you get up close and you see <laughs> just how big they are, how much, like, how much blade is moving in the wind. And, um, and so Kansas, uh, you know, has an opportunity to really make the transition from burning ancient coal to uh, wind. It's, I mean, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Thank you for your call, Renee. Thank you for answering me. <laughs> uh, go out there and get some happy light-emitting toys. And uh, they're not toys. They're science demonstrations. No, they're, they're, they're serious energy devices. That's cool. Very cool. Thanks very, for calling. Very cool. Thank you so much for calling. Stick around for more science rules after this. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Science Rules is back. Bill, I believe we have Tabitha on the line. Tabitha, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Uh, and where is there? Where are you calling from? Um, Gloucester, Virginia. Gloucester, Virginia. Where is Gloucester relative to Richmond or something? Uh, it's actually south of Richmond. Uh, and it's uh, east, uh, or sorry, uh, west of Williamsburg. Oh, yeah. I have, I have a lot of family in Danville, if you know where that is. Right on the so anyway, you're you're in Gloucester. And you have uh, a, a favorite Williamsburg. You have a favorite type of energy, I imagine, or you wouldn't be calling. So uh, what what kind of energy are you interested in and then we'll get to your question. Well, my favorite energy is uh solar energy, uh but my question is about uh uh diesel or uh petrol. Is um, I have to drive an hour north to Richmond to recycle glass. Um, every month because my county that I currently live in stopped uh, recycling glass and it only recycles plastics uh, one and two. Um, so my question is, is it energy efficient for me to drive an hour north to recycle my glass and then drive an hour back? I mean, to, to me, it, it kind of hurts my soul to throw glass away 
into the landfill knowing that it's going to be there after I die. Wow. Because I'm, 30, I'm 33 right now. Tabitha, this is, you have hit upon the great question of questiontivity. This is fantastic. You are touching on the dilemma facing us all. By that, I mean taxpayers and voters. What are the kind mm-hmm. of decisions we have to make to maximize the use of our energy? So it makes perfect sense uh, intuitively to have glass, grind it up into glass dust, sand, melt it down and make more glass. But it sounds like in your county in Virginia, here in the United States, whoever it is uh, running things has decided that glass isn't worth going to all that trouble for. And I will intuitively assert, uh, Corey, Tabitha, that glass Mm -hmm. is probably, I'm shooting from the hip here, you guys, it's probably a good thing for a landfill. It's like solid rock. Only you can see through it. Right. It doesn't generate methane. It's not going to leach toxic chemicals in the range of things that you put in a landfill. It's far from the worst. And furthermore, there's <laughs> no su- – no, but seriously, there is no such thing as microglass ending up in sewer systems and then in the ocean and then in the intestines of sea turtles. Like if mm-hmm. when you – I'm not recommending that we throw glass overboard on our boats – but when we do, it's just another rock on the seafloor. It's not the same problem uh, as the chemicals that leach out. In fact, chemicals hardly leach out of glass, which is one of its wonderful features. So if I'm understanding your question, Tabitha, it may be not worth it to go to Richmond. However, if you're going to Richmond to do other things, Maybe just put it in the back of your car, and maybe once a month is too frequent, but then you have storage issues. You have storage issues. <laughs> well, well, hold on. <laughs> Tabitha, let's hear a little bit more about your life. Uh, like, What kind of a vehicle do you drive? I think you mentioned diesel. Uh, well, no, I have, I have normal uh, petrol. Okay. Um, and when I go to Richmond, I'm either driving uh, a Ford Escape or a Ford uh, Focus. And normally, I have, this, I have the Escape because um, I don't drive that much because I, I stay home. Um, my husband takes the Focus because he has to drive 45 minutes to work every day, and that gets better gas mileage. Yes. Um, so I, I usually take the, the Escape. And I usually go to Richmond maybe maybe once a month, maybe once every two months. Depends on how much glass buildup I have. Cause Is that why I've you go? A lot. Of, yeah, I well, I have other reasons. I also go. There's a I, I go to a store up there called Handy Leather to buy leather because I like to work with leather a lot. I do a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of strange. I have strange hobbies. I I like to. Uh, do Viking reenactment. That doesn't sound very um, energy intensive, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, did you st- set up uh, some huts in what is now Nova Scotia? What do you do in Viking reenactments? Um, what I do is um, I am actually a, an authorized heavy fighter. I can't fight right now because I'm currently pregnant, and that's a no no. Um, <laughs> um, but what what I do is I work with uh, linen and I make um, garb with uh, clothes with linen. Um, and I also, we look for like how they did things uh, back then historically. Um, and sometimes we uh, do a lot of it by, by hand. It takes a lot of physical energy, but it, you know, we're not using electricity. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and when so, we do... so you go to Richmond to get leather. 
mm-hmm. and maybe some leather working tools I'm jamming here. And while you're there, yes. you recycle your glass. Yes. Yeah. So I think if you're going to go through that energy intensive undertaking anyway, driving all the way to Richmond in a very large vehicle to go to a leather store. It's not a particularly large vehicle. A Ford Escape? Yeah, it's, 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 okay. not, it's not that big. I think if it's a lot bigger than a Ford Focus. Is that a true fact or a false it's fact? smaller than an Explorer. That, that, that way is. smaller than an Explorer. Okay, I don't know. So all, <laughs> that, all that aside. It's, it's a mid-range vehicle. Re, go ahead. So you're talking about a, gross, a grocery bag full of glass? How much glass are you talking about? I'm talking about a... Uh, An oil like drum? Four, like four grocery bags full of glass. A small oil drum, a sub sub drum. Uh, well, party yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, here am I. To, who am I to judge? But uh, for you, uh, for those of you out there uh, who are fascinated with our use of cattle and beef production and food, and who isn't? Well, she <laughs> works with leather. So, is leather a natural product, or is it actually a result of our energy intensive lifestyle of Exploiting animals. It's a, it's, it's a hard question to resolve. Most, yeah, most of these things are not so, either or. I'm so glad you it brought this up. It depends on what the leather is from. That's right, because it it reflects the the complexities or the subtleties in producing energy policy, which uh, when it comes to our energy use and climate change and these questions that everybody every everybody raising a family, everybody asks – is it is this trade-off worth it, driving to Richmond to recycle the glass or not? These are fine things to consider. Should I use a plastic straw or a some new uh, plant-based straw? These are fine things. But when it comes to climate change, which is intimately related with energy use, with electricity production, electricity generation, we need big ideas. We need huge things. We want it to where you're not making the, this, these, these very small decisions on the big scale of glass enrichment, glass at home, drive to the leather store, have Amazon send you the leather. These are like, these are important decisions, but we need big ideas. We need a huge amount of electricity to address climate change. And this was all, this discussion was all produced by Tabitha asking a, a fundamental <laughs> question about raising her family and living her life. Tabitha, carry on. Thank you so much for your Skull, call. if I understand the use of that term. And uh, yes. uh, good dog to all your hiking uh, <laughs> cohorts. Carry on. Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. Thank you. Oh, man. I, I love that they're, they're energy-conscious Vikings they out are. there. They are energy-conscious Vikings. That is truly inspiring. And the Vikings, man, they did some amazing stuff in those boats, those open boats going all over the fleet in North Atlantic. That was Just a, using, worthy of using, respect. Using wind energy and, uh, and muscle rowing and energy. And a star to steer them by. Amazing. The starboard, starboard, the right side of the ship, apparently comes from how what happens when you leave Norway and keep your eye on the North Star. Amazing. What is now Norway? All right. So, Bill, we have another call. Bill, we do. We have April on the line. Hi, guys. I'm here. Excellent. And uh, where is here? Where are you calling from? From Seattle, Washington. Oh, Seattle. My beloved Seattle. Go M's. Go Seahawks. <laughs> so, April, you have a question. Um, It seems like nowadays a lot of things that are energy efficient, um, just like cars, bulbs, bridges, 
um, they all cost a lot more money. Um, so how would you go about recommending to families who are more cost conscious um, how to be more energy efficient without breaking the bank? Well, what we want to do is motivate family uh, homemakers, people raising a family, to make that uh, part of their accounting, part of their assessment, part of their decision-making. So if I get a more efficient washing machine or dishwasher today, how long will it take for me to get my money back? And so this is what uh, the, the government, the U.S. government at any rate, created this energy star system where you can evaluate how much energy this appliance will use and how many years it will take for it to pay for itself. And so it's not just, or maybe it's not at all, how do I feel good about myself getting a more efficient dishwasher? It's how long will it take for me to recoup the costs of a more efficient dishwasher if I choose to get it? Now, Corey, there is a strange thing. April, there is a strange thing. Do tell, Bill. There's an, a, a uh, lobbying organization called Make Our Dishwashers Great Again. This is a real thing. You're kidding me. <laughs> No, it's a real thing. And I mentioned this by way of example because the people running this organization have the perception that somehow in the good old days, dishwashers didn't run as long. They, their, their cycles were shorter. And they believe they apparently believe, from what I've read on their website and uh, watching some videos, they apparently believe that a shorter dishwasher cycle means it's better dishwasher and uses less energy. That is, as you may know, completely wrong. Modern dishwashers are just better in every way. The dishes come out cleaner and the cycle lasts longer. They, they are, you are encouraged as the consumer to run the thing at night when you're not there, when the dishwasher is... Um, is uh, when you're not hovering over it, when there's time where the electrical grid is not overtaxed during an off-peak load. So, April, my sense is you're uh, about to make some of these decisions yourself. Is that true? Um, I guess I've just been thinking about it just because um, we do have times where we will leave the fridge open or <gasps> leave the fridge open. Oh my God, April. <laughs> I, I'm sure she only means to, to do that experiment act- you were describing earlier. Of a oh, you're trying the, to refrigerate the, the whole outdoors? <laughs> young man, when I was young. Accidentally. <laughs> but yes, we have been thinking about energy efficient cars in the future, or we have changed our bulbs to be more energy efficient. Um, yeah. Maybe thinking of um, more energy efficient fridge purchases. Um, but yeah, again, they're all kind of expensive upgrades. Well, look, so, as you say, uh, you know, some things are just just simple behavioral changes. Just being a little more aware of, for instance, you know, how long you're keeping the fridge open, what what temperature you're setting on the <laughs> on the on the air conditioning, uh, just you know, some basic things like that. Um, those you know, little lifestyle changes can make a big difference. Um, Bill was talking about paying attention to you know, sort of life cycle costs instead of just upfront costs of, you know, if you're planning on keeping this toaster oven or this you know, dishwasher for five to 10 years, you know, if you pay an extra $100 now, but it's going to save you, you know, $300 in electricity over that time, it's a good long-term investment. But also at the very highest level, right. uh, you know, supporting the efficiency standards that lift everybody up uh, and, you know, and, and standing firm against the people who want to roll them back 
that's something that is going to help everybody and not just you. And so I talk all the time. If we could do one thing about climate change, if I could do one thing, is it recycle bottles? Is it not use plastic straws? Is it get a more efficient dishwasher? No, if we could just talk about climate change, if we were just talking about energy efficiency, as you are now, April, uh, we would do something about it. So one of the most troubling and just downright silly ideas from Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma was the idea, he said, changing light bulbs to address climate change is absurd. I mean, no, no, Senator, yeah. you're absolutely completely wrong. If you have, in the Seattle area, we have billions of light bulbs, not millions, billions, because there's million in Washington state, there's several, there are I guess going on 3 million people, all those people have five light bulbs at their disposal. You get into the billions of light bulbs. If you can change billions of light bulbs to be 15 times more efficient than the bad old days, you're going to use less electricity. This is not rocket surgery. This is arithmetic. <laughs> and so, April, you are once again raising this big idea. If we understand just how much energy is involved Every time we use a hairdryer or a dishwasher or a car, I believe we will have respect for that energy and we will make better decisions for all humankind. So a world-class cyclist cranking along just in the pack, in the peloton, is using about 400 watts. <laughs> 400 watts. Your dishwasher uses 1,200 2,000 watts? Right. 400 watts is about one half of a horsepower. Yeah. Now, think about, you know, if you're driving your car versus a bicycle, uh, how many horsepower in your car? I don't know. Maybe, depending on what you drive, maybe about 200. Um, in English terms? So, yeah. You know, so, you know. Two kilowatts? Right. You're, you're driving your car 10 miles. You're using 400 times as much energy as if you were riding a bicycle that It's amazing. Distance. It's just, it's really, the scale of it's amazing. And, and if you ever visit a power plant, like in Washington State now, uh, there's a lot of gas-fired, uh, natural gas-fired power plants. If you visit one of those and just see how much heat comes off and how these huge turbines are spinning, let alone in the Seattle area, if you go to one of the dams, you know, Seattle City Light. Do you live in Seattle proper, April? Yes, Seattle proper. Yeah. Seattle City Light has these tours of these enormous dams where these enormous turbines, you know, propellers being spun instead of spinning, uh, being spun by falling water. It's just the amount of energy is it's just astonishing. And we all take it for granted. And by the way, listeners, I uh, got a job at Boeing out of engineering school. And uh, when I first moved to Seattle, electricity was so cheap. How because cheap was it? It was so cheap because uh, of hydroelectric power. But then as the number of people, mm -hmm. and I was one of them, who moved to Washington State increased, uh, power became as expensive it is, as it is everywhere because it became part of the, a much bigger electrical grid, Bonneville Power Association, and electricity is traded at the full rate. And so we all must respect, April, how much electricity – <laughs> how much energy? No, really, how much energy we use. But I strongly encourage everybody. I know you're raising a family. You got decisions to make. But the more efficient your appliances are, the less electricity you use, and the more money you'll have to do other stuff with. And so it's really the reason the Department of Energy here in the United States and the analogous ministry in Canada, the reason we're pushing 
for more efficient appliances is because it's easier to manage the electrical grid. It's easier to provide energy to everybody when people aren't wasting energy, when our when we're more efficient. Oh, soapbox, Bill. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, for sure. That's a great way to think about it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. All right, thank you. Science Rules will be right back. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You're listening to Science Rules. Victor, Victor, you're out there. Hello, Victor. Earth to Victor. Come in, Victor. Hi, Victor. Uh, There's Victor. Thanks for waiting. Uh, Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Brownsville, Texas. Oh, my goodness. The nexus of decision-making. You're right there in the thick of it. Uh, (laughs) What is your question? Uh, My question is, uh, when you think of life and energy down to the level of atoms, uh, there's a shift when you think about it in terms of quantum physics. Uh, so do you think there, it, it will be possible in the near future to harvest the power of quantum mechanics and concepts like uh, superposition to harness and use energy more efficiently? The answer is yes. So, <laughs> Okay, thank you so much. There, there we go. go. There's the, yes, oh, wait, wait, Bill has more to say. <laughs> well, I think you will too, Corey. Just when you talk about quantum physics and superposition, first of all, we use quantum physics to make electricity generate electricity fundamentally because we understand electromagnetism. But furthermore, uh, when it comes to a solar cell, a solar panel, uh, that's a quantum physical effect where a photon hits the, um, the substrate, the, uh, the semiconductor, and drive, a photon drives an electron ultimately, which or creates an magne- electromagnetic field, electric field that we harness as electricity. So we do that already. But I think I understand your question has two more parts. Can we do it more efficiently? And the answer has got to be yes. I mean, we got to be able to make more efficient solar panels. They're barely – I have solar panels on my house out in California, and they're barely 15% efficient. I have a solar-powered watch, and I don't think that solar panel is even 10% efficient. The ones on spacecraft are 30% efficient because it it costs so much money to put them up there. They use – more most efficient cells in manufacture, but suppose they were 80% efficient, Corey. Whoa. Whoa. And we would make them that way through under our understanding of, of quantum electrodynamics of how subatomic particles interact with energetic particles, photons, what have you. But then you mentioned quantum computing, Victor. And so if we can make computers that well, the big limit in computers is they produce heat when the electrons are shoved around carefully. And uh, the farther the electron has to travel, the bigger the circuit board, the less efficient it is. Uh, You know, computers rely on clocks and so on. 
the closer everything can be together on a circuit board or a, or a microchip, as you might call it, the more efficient it is. And so what if we were only moving around, Corey? What if we were just moving in the smallest subatomic particle? Yes, Bill, yes. Place to another, Bring it home, you Bill. See? Bring it home. Moving using the, the smallest quanta to be the switches instead of a huge transistor, which might be a couple microns or tenths of a millimeter across. This would just be, just be mm, mm, the diameter of a proton, 10,000th of that distance. <laughs> and then what we would do is have artificial intelligence or what people nowadays are also calling machine learning, where the computer makes itself, we, we design a computer that can make itself increasingly efficient with every electronic decision it makes, then our electrical grid could be more and more efficient. So if I understand your question, Victor, and I'm expanding it, answering the question I really want to answer, yes, we could make our computing more efficient, which will make our electrical grid more efficient. That's one use of quantum mechanics and our understanding of uh, interaction of subatomic particles uh, and energy. And then we could make solar panels, just plain solar panels, which have existed for over 100 years in one form or another. We could make those more efficient. We could, dare I say it, Corey, Victor. Go ahead and say it. Bill, Victor, say it. Say we could, it. We could do say it. Say it. Change the world. <laughs> Does that answer your question, Victor, from Brownsville, Texas? Yes. It does. I was going to bring up, yeah, using quantum computing in energy plants. So, yes, it definitely answered my question. So right now, everybody, one of the big inefficiencies that we all deal with is the transmission of electricity, moving it from one place to another. Right now, it requires some loss to heat when you drive an electric field down these huge transmission lines or small ones. Some of the energy is radiated as heat. So, Bill, how can we do better? Well, we can run in circles screaming. No, we could perhaps run so-called direct current lines instead of alternating current lines, but that requires converting it back into alternating current, not trivial. And then, of course, my dream, Corey. Tell us your dream. Years ago, I interviewed Rick Smalley. Richard Smalley, unlike many of us, had a Nobel Prize. And he won a Nobel Prize for being one of the discoverers of Buckminster fullerenes, carbon molecules that are spheres. They're shaped like soccer balls. Like soccer balls. Pentagon, hexagon, pentagon, hexagon, pentagon, hexagon. Or f footballs for the rest of the world. Foot, yes, foot, footballs. Football. And so his dream was to grow, to take the sphere, crack it in half like a spherical carbon atom egg, carbon molecule egg, and stretch the two halves apart in a soup of carbon atoms and create what can't what we have nowadays called nanotubes billionths of a meter diameter tubes that would be instead of being what they are now 30 50 nanometers billionths of a meters long billions of a meter long they would be dozens hundreds kilometers long and these uh, tubes would be extraordinarily efficient for transmitting electrons, transmitting electromagnetic waves. He said it would be like the electron has a dream at one end of the tube, goes to the other end, wakes up at the, with the other end with no loss to heat. Hey, it's really I, an extraordinary I, idea. I want to be that electron. I know, I know. And so when we talk about 
efficiency. And we're living at a time now in the early 21st century where everybody is an entrepreneur. Everybody works for a startup. Everybody's in tech. And this is true in Texas as much as anywhere. My goodness, Victor, do you work in tech? Yes, I do. I'm a software development project manager. There you see, proof of the paranormal. I'm psychic right there. No, but if we, <laughs> and I'm loving you, I'm loving entrepreneurs, I'm loving founders, I'm loving venture capitalists, I'm loving all of that. But in order to develop a new power line, a new transmission line to run all over the world, North America, South America, developing world, Africa, Europe, whatever the heck it is. One way to do it is by hoping an entrepreneur like Victor comes up with this fabulous idea and somehow gets a lab with high vacuum and he can create buckyballs and he can spread them apart and so on. Or we invest on a global scale. The U.S. government, for example, would invest in more efficient transmission lines made of carbon instead of aluminum and made of carbon instead of copper. And we change the world. I think all the time, Corey. Bill. In the summer of 2019, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of walking on the moon. We did. It was, that, uh, and, and what an extraordinary time that was. Originally, it was sort of what a nostalgic time it was looking back and celebrating it. Because it yeah. was optimistic. Actually, right. uh, Victor, go for it. I run, an, I run the Astronomical Society in my uh, town also, and we actually threw a big event for that 50-year anniversary. But that was a government project. That wasn't entrepreneurs, high-tech startup, venture capitalists circling back, touching base, pinging you after we, after we take a meeting and uh, secure first money for our next, advent- uh, next stage. No, that was a government spending money like crazy. And, and hundreds of billions of dollars, equivalent of twenty twenty dollars, and we put guys on the moon for a couple hours. It was astonishing. And along the way, uh, greatly fostered the advance of integrated circuits and, uh, uh, by the betting internet. on the on the MIT uh, integrated circuit design, uh, advancing the technology of fuel cells. I mean, a lot of things. Alloys. That, that, yeah. That then later on, the entrepreneurs took up and developed, but. The initial government investment made all the difference. So you could say, I'm a bleeding heart liberal coastal elite with no understanding. That could be. But it also could be that if you just stop and think about it, we spent hundreds of billions of dollars and we did extraordinary things with a government top-down effort. And I want to think when it comes to energy and new transmission lines and harnessing quantum computing and artificial intelligence and machine learning to improve the efficiency of our electrical grid, it may be that government investment would not suck. To wit, would be a good thing. Victor, did we answer your question at all? Yes, you did. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Very that, man. Is, that is the best answer we could hope for. Thank, thank you, man. Thank you so Thanks much for, for calling the in. Time to call. <laughs> thank you for your time. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much. Thanks you know, for listening to Science Rules. So, Bill, one of the things that really st- struck me from your answer is just how much of our energy system is a it's a brute force system. It's you know. We burn all this fossil fuel, and if there's a lot of wasted heat, and a lot gets lost in the electrical lines, and then a lot gets lost in our appliances, and then a lot gets wasted out of our houses, that there are all these things that we do that sort of work okay, but if we were smart, and we invested, and we were clever about it, we could do these things much, much better and much, much cleaner. And if we had education. And this if we had is education. to say, 
If every homeowner had access to what's the most efficient dishwasher, what are the most efficient windows, what's the most efficient vehicle, uh, well, how should I vote to influence governments to make good decisions? How can I understand this? It all starts with our fundamental, I believe, deep within us, understanding of energy. It's what makes things go, run, or happen. And we can convert energy from one form to another, from primordial chemical energy in plants that became swamps, that became coal, that became oil and gas, into heat, into electricity, into transportation, mechanical energy, threshing machines for raising crops, all these things for creating, taking nitrogen out of the air and making fertilizer to feed 7.7 billion people where we used to feed one and a half billion people just two centuries ago. All of that is a result of our understanding of energy. We can change the world, everybody. And so my favorite form of energy, Corey, if it push comes to shove, is electricity. That's what I'm into. What, what, about, what about the energy of entertainment? Uh, and education. Yes. And I do like bicycles. But with that yep. said, this has been just a great show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for calling in. Uh, I'm Bill Nye. I'm Corey S. Powell. And remember, when it comes to the energetic part of our universe, science, science rules. So if you like science rules, please take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out and helps other people learn about the show which is going really well, so thank you. Be sure to look at my socials for when to call into the show. I'm at Bill Nye on, well, on everything. I'm on the gram, the Twitter, the, the, everything. And meanwhile, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, give us a call at 201-472-0785. That's 201-472-0785 to leave us a voice message. Now, Science Rules is produced by Jordan Bell and Corey Powell. Hey, that's me. And with extra production and call screening from Lisa Wang and Ashley Warren. Our engineer today is Andy Christens. Mixing and original theme music were by Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the CCO, the Chief Content Officer of Stitcher, where science rules. Stitcher. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.